Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Everybody doing good this morning? Man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I know you've heard me say this before, but I want to reiterate just the privilege it is to be able to gather together freely. You know, um, now more than ever, there's this struggle between what we can do and what they tell us to do. You know, and, and I believe that we have to continually fight for that, uh, that place as far as our Christianity, for what we are as the church, for what we are as, as a fellowship of believers, that we never compromise our faith. Now, I know we're kind of in a backward society where um, there's a lot of other third world countries that have been fighting as underground churches forever. And, you know, they have been, you know, all kinds of, you know, issues with having the church, right? But now this is for the first time where I believe that the Christian church is being challenged, that the dividing line is being established to saying who will stand strong and who will flee, who will stand strong in my word? Who will trust that God is still on his throne? And he, he, he is unmoved by any circumstance. I know there's been a lot of talk about, well, is this the end times? Is it over? Are we getting near the end? I don't know, but I know that the word of God will give us everything we need to know as things unfold. That we don't have to walk ignorantly, that we don't have to walk blindly, that we don't have to be uninformed. But I do encourage you that at, in this season that we are people of prayer, because we don't want to miss what God is doing. I know one of the hardest things to pray is, is when we say, God, may your perfect will be done, if we really mean it. Because when we say, God, may your perfect will be done, we're saying, Lord, whatever it takes so that souls may be saved, whatever it takes so that your kingdom may be glorified here on the earth, may your will be done. Well, as Christians, that might not be real comfortable for you. So God is moving us out of a place of comfort into a place of conviction where we stand with what his word says, where we are unmoved, but we have to be people of the word. So today, we're really going into our second week, really our third week, because Pastor Jim really kicked it off talking about the importance of the word of God. But why study the Bible? That's the question we've been answering. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to stay there a few weeks because I think it's super important. If you don't understand the importance of studying the Bible, first and foremost, I'm going to reiterate, just in case you missed it, this is the authoritative, perfect word of God, cover to cover. If it's not in here, God didn't want it in there. If it's in there, God wanted us to read it and held, hold ourselves accountable to it. He established what it should look like. Now, there's a lot of supplemental content. There's a lot of other resources you can use to clarify certain things in Scripture. But if it's not written in this book between the covers, maybe God didn't want us to venture beyond that. Because I believe over a lifetime, you can, you can read from cover to cover and the Word of God will continually change who you are. It'll continually reveal things. You'll read it one time, and you're like, oh, I got that. It's not like just a fiction book where you know every part of it, and it's, you know, it says that the Word of God is alive and breathing. You know, I read a scripture that I'm like, man, I've read that before, and then I'll read it, and God will kind of throw something in there, and he'll show me something I've never seen. How foolish can we get to where we think we have understood it all, or we get to the place of, of we've read it a million times. Every time we read it, it's like fresh food for our souls. It rejuvenates, it restores, it causes us to continually focus on things that are Christ-centered. So why study the Bible? I'm going to answer the question today because God's Word is powerful. 
So if you say, Pastor, what did Pastor Noe talk about this last, last week? The word of God is powerful. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to look at Genesis 1, 1 through 3 in the NIV. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And here's what happened. He said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So what was the variable that caused light to exist? The spoken word. Now, some of us say, well, that was the word of God. And that's where some of you stop because you think the audible word of God is the only word of God. And if you have not heard him audibly, you do not know the word of God. Well, if God speaks it audibly or he speaks it within your spirit or he's written it within these pages, it's all valid. Every single part of it. But when the word of God is spoken, things change. Things come to exist into existence. So the first thing, because the word of God is power, the first thing he does in the spoken word is he creates. And we'll see this through scripture. He creates something out of nothing. And some of you this morning say, God, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. Sometimes he can create something out of nothing, even when you didn't have nothing to work with. Because his spoken word is powerful. And if he needs something to be accomplished in your life, all he has to do is say it and it's done. It's all it takes. But we try to conjure up. We try to do the right thing. We try to be God of our own lives. And we don't allow God to be God. So if we look at this, it was formless. It was empty. It was dark. But also it says the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if we just look at that passage, what is that passage telling us? First and foremost, God was around. And secondly, it says his Holy Spirit was around. So God is really unfolding the picture of what it looked like in the beginning. Because we weren't there at the beginning, guys. He's trying to enlighten us with what that looks like. Now let's look at John 1, 1 through 5. It gives us a little bit more of the picture. John 1, 1 through 5. And then I'm going to also look at verses 10 through 14 in the NIV. It says, in the beginning was the word. So we're still talking about in the beginning. Now, he uses the word word as a play on word, but we're very quickly going to see what that word word means. It says, and the word was with God. Okay, hold on. So if we had the Holy Spirit and we had God, but the word was with God. So who could this person be that was with God? He didn't say it. He didn't say, you know, it wasn't anything he created. It says the word was with God. And it says not only was the word with God, it says the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, okay, so now now we can really tell it's a person, right? It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. So when we look at that passage, what is it talking, who is it referring to? Can you guys mirror my notes over here? Or you're unable to. I'm flying blind. I know what my notes here, but... Go back to that previous slide real quick for me. They're working on it. But it says, through him, Jesus, all things were made. So through God's spoken word, through the authority of Jesus, things came into existence. Are you getting that whole picture? Everything played a role. Everything played a part in the big picture. But he creates something out of nothing because that's who he is. You say, well, how'd he do it? Well, he always was. He always has been. He is God. He's not not like anything we know. 
Our minds cannot comprehend it. Let's look in verse 10. It says, verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Jesus Christ was the only one of the Trinity that came to earth in the flesh. Okay, so we're just getting clarification in what this Scripture is saying. It says, He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see all three working together. But it says everything that was made, everything that was created was through Jesus. God had a cool way of, a, of, of giving roles and responsibilities to each person. You know, there's a scripture that says, you know, nobody knows the time and the date that the end is going to come. There's been many of people trying to figure out, and you may have watched something that somebody said, oh, in the next, they're putting a time frame, they're going to miss it. They're not the first ones that missed it. They're just the next sucker to take it, right, to try to figure it out. But even Jesus said his word, he says, because they asked, the disciples asked him, said, hey, when will we know when the time is coming? How will we know when the end is near? And even Jesus responded. He said, it is not even for me to know the time or the day, but that is up to my Father. So Father God sits in heaven, and there, you know, if you've seen the little sand time clock where you flip it over and you see the granules of sand going out. We do not know when that's going to end. Now we can see times, we can see things in scripture that lead us to believe that the time is drawing near, but if you put a date on it, you're going to be wrong. So it's not so much knowing the date that the Lord returns, but being ready when he does. That's the only thing that matters. You may be freaking out. You may say, I don't know what to do. Pastor. No. Be ready when the Lord returns. You say, well, what, what, what if I don't know? Well, you may live out your whole life and die, but you're still going to stand before Father God. So you still need to live your life as being ready for a returning king. But only Father God knows that. Psalms 33, 6. It says, but the word, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host, but by the breath of his mouth. Man, I, you know, I just can imagine when God started to create, you know, and it got better. He said, light, let's, let's make light, let's make dark, let's make a sun, let's make a moon, and, you know, let's separate the waters, let's make the fish, let's like make the animals. And he started to create. By what? The power of his word. He didn't sit there silently, but as his words were released from his mouth, things were created. Things happened. Things changed. How did it work? I don't know. I know that he commanded the waters to only go so far, and that's where they stopped. I've always wondered how that worked. You ever seen it at the beach? You know, there's high tide and there's low tide, and sometimes the water comes in and sometimes it's further. But God has set it in order to where it will only go so far. Good luck the scientists that want to figure that out. Say, well, this is why. Well, God said that's why. We do have high tide, low tide, and tsunamis and different things that change the variable but he even commanded the waters where they should stop. And then he created human beings to rule and reign with him. So when the Lord speaks or he speaks things into our lives, things are brought to life, change happens. God's word is powerful. So whether if it's the spoken word or it's the read word of God, anything that is the word of God bears power. All the time. 
Some of us are just waiting for an audible voice of the Lord and we're missing all that God has said in His Word. Well, let me tell you what, if you don't know what the Word of God says, you will never know what the audible voice of the... uh, Or you won't know if the audible voice is right or wrong. Because one thing about God's spoken Word, He will never contradict that which is in His Word. He always confirms it or verifies it or justifies it. If If you have ever heard a voice... That is contrary to the word of God. That is not the voice of God. It says that there's many voices in the world. But for those who are people of God, who are discerners of the word, who are people who study the Bible, they can discern the difference. You know, me and my kids, we were talking about Adam and Eve and how they messed it all up, right? We know the story. If you haven't read it, read through the first few books of Genesis. But, uh, you know, we've been talking to our kids and, you know, Anytime they fall short, we say, you know, why did you mess up? Well, you didn't listen. You didn't hear what we said. You know, Adam and Eve would have never messed it up if they would have banked it on what God said, not the serpent. But they listened. They were enticed. Their eyes gazed on something that God told them, don't even look at. And that gave birth to sin. But if they would have just remained in what God had said, what God had spoken, his specific word, knowing what it is and staying grounded in that, they'd have never messed up. So anytime our kids get busted up, they're like, why are you in trouble? Because we didn't listen to mom and dad. And why do we care as parents? Because if they can learn to be obedient to me and my wife, they can learn to be obedient to God. If they're rebellious to me and don't care what I have to say or do not respond well in discipline, they will not respond well as Christians, as followers of Christ. We have to understand that I am God's advocate in their life right now to teach them what is right and what's wrong. My wife did some spanking this week. I sat there, I was like, man. I'm not going to say who got spanked more than once, in case they ever hear this message. Uh, but one of them got more than once, came back in there, I said, you getting another one? You know, walking in, they know what's up. <laughs> and I was just like, man, mom is on a rampage today. But it's bringing that correction. Because when we say we're going to do something, guess what? We need to do it as parents. Same thing, when God says he will do something, guess what? He always does it. He always fulfills his side of the promise. The second thing that God does in being powerful, he heals. Okay, now I know this is is one of these ones that it's like you've either seen it, you've experienced, you've read it. Maybe some of you have have seen it firsthand. Maybe some of you have never seen it, but it's all through his word. You know, there is a, God is a God who heals. So there's a story of two people in the Bible. The first one is in John 9, 1 through 9, and then the other one is John 5, 8. And so one of the stories is about a blind man and the other one is about a lame man. Okay, so I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to kind of cover these stories just for time, but take a note, write those down if you want to go back and read them later. But the first one, you know, he was he was a blind man and Jesus approaches him and he says, hey, don't you want to be made well? You know, I mean, to me, that's such a a dumb question. Why would you even ask? Well, don't you want to be made well? Well, yeah. Sometimes faith in order to receive something requires you asking for something. So I really believe that Jesus, he loaded the question. He said, what do you want? Well, Jesus, I want to see. I've never, I've never seen my whole life. And, you know, and we look at this story and, you know, the, the, how this story starts is really funny because it says, you know, the disciples were there, the people of God were there, and they asked the question. They said, well, because this, this person has been blind since birth, who sinned? 
Was it his parents? Was it his great parents? I mean, they, I guess they were thinking about the generational curses or, you know, because you sin, bad things happen. However, they were connecting the dots. They were asking the question, have you ever asked that? And I know you have. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does it? Why did that happen to them? But here's Jesus's response. He says this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this was a part of God's master plan to show his power in the earth by healing divinely. So it says that Jesus came, he says, he, you know, he got some mud and he got some saliva. Now you're like, man, I don't want to see all of a sudden now, but this guy didn't care. I mean, I think at that point, if you really, really want to see, you don't care how bad it is. Now, some of us, we're going to be so religious, we want to do it a, a different, don't put spit on my eyes. You don't really care about changing that much yet. Maybe be blind for a lifetime and humbled, and then maybe God will do something in your life. How God does it is up to him. But it's our response in receiving what God wants to do in and through us. You know, he often asked ridiculous things of people in which he performed miracles. Or it was so simple that it was like, that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't it be something more complicated? So however Jesus wants to do it, he does it how he wants. So he gets that mud, he, he, he puts it in his eyes, and he says, he tells him, he says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went, and he went home seeing that day. When Jesus gives you instructions, follow them very specifically. I think of what if you had just wiped that saliva off and were like, man, what are you doing? It's like, I can't see. Yeah, that's because you didn't listen. I told you to go wash in the, in, the, in the pool. You know, and then you see his neighbors and his friends who had formerly seen this person begging for a lifetime. And they said, is this the guy? No, it doesn't look like him. It's just somebody that, that looks like him. And then he responds. He says, no, that was me. And now I see. He could not hold back that healing power that was given through the word of Jesus. So it doesn't matter if God said it, if Jesus said it, if the Holy Spirit said it, or it's written in his word. If he has said it, it's available to those who believe. Often he said, according to your faith, shall it be done. He could have just stayed there and just said, well, it's not going to work. I've been born since birth. But he was obedient to the command of Jesus, and he saw the results, and he received his healing. The other person was a lame man. You know, he was, uh, he was near the Sheep Gate pool in, in, this, you know, in Bethesda. And so he was, he was sitting next to this pool that was stirred, by, I'm assuming, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's some, there's some research, different things like that. But when this water was stirred, if you had any, if you were in need of healing and you got yourself in that pool, you would miraculously get healed. So he shows up and he says, hey, don't you want to be healed? Don't you want to get well? And he says, sir, I, you know, in, in verse 7, he says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. So many of us are looking for a result and we don't realize that Jesus is right there with us, ready to give us a healing. But we've done it, how, you know, maybe it'd be medicine, maybe it'd be a doctor's report, whatever it is. We said, well, I don't have the medicine, I can't get the surgery done, and yet Jesus is right there and says, don't you want to be well? And I can't, I can't even understand what is going through his mind at this moment when he says, you're worried about the pool, yet I'm the giver of life. You know, I just think of these, this thought process, how many times Jesus was just shaking his head. I mean, hopefully he wasn't doing it, because I'm sure that would discourage all of us. If we're, Jesus is like, again, again, man, these people, why don't they get it? But what happens? He says, Jesus immediately said, you know, his response, he wasn't saying, well, when you get close, I'll throw you in the pool. But this is what he says. He says, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. 
So somewhere in that conversation, he was telling his story, and Jesus stopped him. He said, pick up your mat and walk. So at that moment, I know me, if I've been like that my whole life, I'm kind of like, you know, what do you do? You've scooted along or people have had to help you your whole life. Is it, are you just going to stand up? But it says at that moment, it says, you know, he says, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Now, if Jesus wasn't, you know, stirring up enough issues, it's like the water was stirring up, he was stirring stuff up because he did this on the Sabbath. He did this on a Sunday. Sunday, you weren't supposed to work. You weren't supposed to do things like this, right? You know, so the Jewish leader said to the man, who had healed you? It's the Sabbath. The law forbids it to carry your mat. He picked up his mat, and that was his labor for the day. Well, if I just received my healing, I don't care what day of the week it is. The legalistic people are like, no, nah, don't do that on Sundays. You have to rest. Man, if I'm lame and can't walk and you tell me to get up and walk, I'm going to be skipping around with that mat. I'd probably throw it in the pool and say, hey, how you like that? You know, I just think of the response, right? But it says that, you know, he, he says, the, the one who told me pick up my mat and walked was the one who healed me. So when Jesus speaks, he makes weak, weak bones and muscle tissue restored at his command. We see the power of the word, active and alive, accomplishing things. But we don't care what this says, right? We don't, we're not worried about it. We want this audible word of God. Yet God has packed so much power into the word that we have in our hands, in our homes, that we can lay before our eyes and meditate on it and receive all that it says. You know, one of the most powerful movements in our, well, my life, I remember it was when we were in high school, junior high age, is when our youth group was meeting together. We weren't scholars. We didn't know a whole lot of what the Word of God said. Or I mean, like, we, just, we didn't study the Bible like we were supposed to. But a few of us got a hold of it, and we started reading it. Imagine that, right? And then we started applying principles in what it said. When it said, ask for the Holy Spirit, we began to ask for the Holy Spirit. When it, began to, when it said, speak in the Holy Spirit, we began to speak in the Holy Spirit. We begin to see power and all of these things work, not because we understood it, but because we were obedient to what it asked. I guess there had to be a little bit of faith or ignorant faith, whatever you want. I mean, I didn't feel like we were full of faith. We were just like, well, here's what it says. Let's do it. Wow, it worked. That's how our mind processed it. But it was that little bit of faith. I don't think God really requires a whole lot of faith from us sometimes. He makes up the difference. I think it's more obedience than it is full of faith. Because if I were really be honest with you, the moments that I'm full of faith is way less than the moments that I'm full of faith. I'm not all the time like, oh, all right, you know, like fired up all the time. I know there's some evangelists that you feel like that all the time. I said, this guy doesn't have a bad day. It's always excited about the things of God, man, looking for people to get saved. And, but I tell you, if you really got to know that person, oh, there's days. I've been around a few missionaries long enough. I've seen the good days and bad days, but I just cover them because they're my friends. But it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you're an evangelist, even if you're a prophet. Whatever God has gifted you, there's moments where you're lacking faith and God's word needs to be released in your life so that you could believe in what it says and receive what it says. Isaiah 53, 5 in the New Living Translation. It says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. Now, some of you can be like, well, I'm going to receive my healing when we get to heaven. Why the heck are we going to wait till then? You think it matters when we get to heaven that we receive healing? 
What I really need is healing now in this body that doesn't function like a glorified body like I'm going to get when I go to heaven. i got to survive this life. Now, sometimes do I hurt or cause harm to my body by my own ignorance? Absolutely. But I believe that if we are honoring God and how we manage this temple and we ask God to do his part, that we can command health and wholeness by that command that when he was whipped, healing was released in the earth. You know, it says in the Bible that when Jesus was, was crucified on that cross and the power of God was released into the earth, it says that those, were in, that those that were in Christ were actually raised from the dead at that moment, that the power of God was released in the earth and that, and that, that crucifixion moment happened. You don't believe me? Look in the Gospels. Right before Jesus was crucified, it says, Father, why have you forsaken me? The power of, the, of God was released into the earth in a brand new way where we bridge that gap from the old covenant to the new covenant. But it says that power of God was released in the earth and those who were dead in Christ came back to life. So that kind of power, I mean, I'm just asking sometimes for good cholesterol. I'm just talking for like low blood pressure. I'm not talking about Lord raise me from the dead. But if God has the power to raise from the dead, how much more does he have the power to even be better than the medication I take to keep my levels right? Or to cause food to be healthy and whole to me, even though we live in a society that it, food ain't health and wholeness. Right? We got to believe God. That God can heal. Now I know, let, let me just cover this, and this is a whole other sermon, but I know some of you have prayed for things and asked God for things, and you haven't seen them come to pass. That never diminishes the power of God or who God is. Because at the end of the day, God can do whatever He want, wanted. We look at the story of Paul. Sorry, I'm jumping around. God's just depositing these in me. But, you know, Paul, it says that there was a thorn in his side and he prayed multiple times that it would be removed. Now, there's no clarification what that thorn in the side was. But God did not remove it. He just said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, some of you are like, Lord, move this. But at the same time, Lord God, may your will be done. We are in a fallen world, guys. That's why sickness and disease and death happens. That was never part of God's model. But when we chose sin, you're like, well, it wasn't me. Well, it was our descendants, Adam and Eve. When we chose sin, it caused death to enter the world. Even from the womb, we were born into sin. But God has provided a way out. So as he creates, he also heals. So we're all one, way, one word away from the Lord, changing for change, we are one word away from change coming in to our lives. One word from the Lord. Now, some of you, I believe God is going to release that word in your life today. And you're going to begin to see change. You're going to begin to have faith stir in your heart like you haven't in a while. Just like the spoken word of the Lord produces miracles, the written word of God is just as powerful because likewise, it is the word of God. So there is healing in the Word of God. So the, word, the spoken Word of God, it creates. It also heals. Well, what else does it do? It separates. Look at, let's look at Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. Hebrews 12, it says, For the Word of the God is living and active. So the King James uses the words quick and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. Now, some of you don't like that scripture. You're like, whoa, I got to give an account to God? Absolutely. 
But it's going to be a judgment, you know, based on what you did as a Christian, not condemnation for those who believe. It's different. You know, it's not going to be like, hey, you're going to hell, like if you have a relationship with the Lord. Now, the one, if you do not have a relationship with him, it's going to be a, the worst day of your life. But those who for believe, we're still going to be judged for what we did, what we didn't do, what we said, who we encouraged, who we didn't encourage. It says, by the words that come out of your mouth, you will be judged. So when we look at the Word of God, it says, what, it, what is it? It is alive. It is active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, I'm not like a ninja warrior or anything like that, but those, they're sharp. You know, cut paper, man, cut your finger. You know, like, you know it, it is just, it is beyond sharper than that. So it says that it will also divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. So the word powerful actually is the word energies. You know, so this comes from the, the English word, you know, this is the Greek word, but it comes from the word energetic when we talk about the, the word. So it denotes something that is, that is at work, active, and effective. So that, that, those, those words are far from boring, dull, outdated, non-active. Okay, so we have to understand what God calls the word, what he says it is. So that is opposite of idle, ineffect, uh, inactive, and ineffective. Now, the main reason that I believe anybody can maybe read the Word or stop reading the Word or choose to not read the Word on a regular basis is because they, at some point, believe it is inactive or ineffective. Because anything that is active and effective, I'm going to continually do it. How many of you keep investing in the stock market? I know right now is a totally different deal, so let's go back like a year from now. You know, a year back, how many of you continually invested in the stock market? Because you believe that it's going to be effective, it's going to be active, it's going to continue to grow your money, and at the end, God willing, one day you'll get to retire. If you didn't believe in it and you knew it was going to completely tank and it was very little value and it was idle and you were going to lose money, would you continue to invest in that? I mean, if some of you say, yeah, we need to talk about finance a little bit. I mean, that is not it. We put money in because we know it's going to work, right? We read the Word of God. Why? Because we know it works. We know that it's active. We know that it's effective. It's not inactive and it's not ineffective. Okay? So it says that the Word divides the soul and spirit, the joint and marrow. So I, I did a little bit of research. It was really cool because it talks about, you know, in the Aramaic translation, it talks about the joints, the marrow of the bones. And these, three, these parts of the bones are actually fused together. It says they're nearly impossible to separate. It's, it's, it's all kind of part of the bone structure. And it says, unless it is a very, very sharp knife. I mean, your, your surgical knives, whatever it is, that's what it is. And, you know, it's very sharp. It's very effective. And it says it also deals with the attitudes and the thoughts of the heart. Now, some of you are like, whoa, I don't want people to see what's really inside. Have you ever smiled and secretly hated somebody's guts? Anybody? <laughs> you're like, hey, God bless you. And then you turn, you're like, yeah, whatever, sucker. Right? You know, the motive of the heart. <laughs> That's what the Word of God reveals. It says the thoughts, the motives, the, the, what, what the heart is thinking, the Word of God exposes it. And it shows you how ugly it really is. But as the Word is just as effective of removing and changing and cutting away, separating, it can remove those things from your life. It can take those things out of your life. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 in the NIV, it says, May God Himself, so if we see God, we can call it His Word. So, you know, the, may the Word, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole, listen to this right here, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of the Lord Jesus. The one who called you is faithful and He will do it. So in this passage, it talks about the effectiveness of what God will do, that He will do what He says he will, He's going to do. But there's also one more thing I want us to look at. It says that may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Now that's just not saying just... We, we see people as just a person. We don't see in the spiritual as far as the breakup of how God established it. But you have to understand that you are made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Okay? We have to understand that man is a spirit... You have a soul and you live in a body. Why am I saying it that way? Because the spirit part of, of man, when you receive salvation, immediately reflects that of Christ. It loves the thing God loves. It, it, it wants the word. It desire, that, that spiritual nature completely changes. When it says, I take that heart of stone and I give you a heart of flesh, that complete regeneration is done in the spirit. It's 100% like Christ. But then there's a passage that says, you know, the saving of your soul. You're like, wait a minute. I thought I was saved. The soul is your mind, your will, and emotions, the things that are all messed up that we continually need the grace of God changing and dividing in our life. Separating those things in our life. Removing those things that, we, that are not Christ-like and putting those things in that are Christ-like. And then when we talk about the body, the body is just a vessel. It is wasting away. It is not built to live forever. The older, the older you get, the more you realize that. Go back to your high school days when they ran the 40-yard dash. If we were to put all of us back on the line, we would think that stopwatch stopped. You're like, man, I remember when I used to run a 4-4, four, 4-6, four, four, whatever it was. You're, you know, you're, you're fast guys, right? If you were never fast, you were in the fives anyway. But we think about that, right? The body is made to, to just... It is just a, it's just a temporary holding, guys. But we got to take care of it because that's the only one we got. If it goes, we go to heaven, right? We got to take care of it. You know, so don't live reckless. I'm not saying don't live adventurous for the Lord, but don't live reckless. Take care of it. So your spirit is completely changed. Your soul is that mind, will, and emotions that when we read the Word of God, it causes us to, to align with the Word of God. It causes, it causes those things to separate, and the body just houses those. So as He separates things in our lives, then, then we have to deal with those. I think if we just allow God to pinpoint things in our life, and we, we say, Lord, I will deal with anything that you bring up when you, when you bring it up. Because I think there's different seasons. I think there's seasons we deal with things, and then there's seasons that God just removes those things. Why does he do it that way? I don't know. I know upon salvation, there are many times where there are things that immediately change. Where people were either driven to alcohol and then they just don't have an appetite. For, you know, they just don't desire alcohol anymore or their, their vocabulary changed drastically. Now, some of them, maybe their vocabulary doesn't change drastically right at the beginning and you got to work that out. Every now and then a loose word will come out. Like, oh, sorry, God's working on me. You ever hurt yourself or get hurt bad enough, one of them words will creep back out because it comes from deep within, right, of those things that need to change. If you squeeze the lemon, what happens? The juice comes out. Sometimes it's not always sanctified and pretty and holy, but that's what the Word of God does. He begins to separate 
those things in our life, making us Christ-like. So if God asks you, you know, to accomplish, you know, if God, God holds us to a high standard in our life, you know, so if God has asked us to hold to a high standard, guess what? He's given us the ability to work it out. You know, my wife was, you know, talking to me, you know, and it's crazy when your wife starts preaching to the preacher. I need it in my life. I told her the other day, man, she was talking to me about things and she was being hard on me. I told her, I appreciate it, man, like checking on me, but really like checking, checking on me. Say, well, this is what it says right here. And this is what I see in your life. And she just laid it right there and said, read that. And I was like, I am the preacher. What are you doing? Like, but as I began to read the word of God, and I appreciate it. I told her after, I said, thank you so much for checking on me. Because I think sometimes as pastors, I'm just going to be a little transparent. I feel like sometimes not that many people check on me, but I check on you a lot. So those moments that my wife, you know, same thing, points something out or, you know, reminds me of the standard that God has called me to. But he do, she doesn't just say, hey, here's the standard, but she shows me those scriptures that remind me that I am able to accomplish those standards by the grace of God working in my life. Holy, pure, and honoring of God. Now, some of you are really real this morning. You would know some of those things that need to be purified and holy and right in your life that maybe aren't. But God's standard is high, but He allows us by His grace and by the power of His Spirit to uphold those things in our life. Amen? But He'll begin to separate those things in our life. He'll begin to say, hey, man, why, Lord, why are you removing that? That didn't need to be anywhere in there anyway. He separates it by the power of His Word. So the power of God's word only works when it's applied. It doesn't matter what it says. It don't matter how many times you read it. Until you apply it, it does no good to you. Okay? So the word of God changes in our lives, and it can bring us to a place of understanding. You know, this is what God wants us to understand. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 in the NIV, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this passage right here, it just says there's going to be some stuff you just don't get. And you're not supposed to get it. It says there's just some things in this life, guys, you're not going to understand. And I think the sooner as Christians as we get to that place of where we're okay not knowing everything, the better we'll be. I think that's one of the biggest things that messes up somebody's Christian walk. They try to figure God out. And you'll never, you'll never do it. Or you'll get stuck on something and say, well, what about this? And you go, man, I don't know. Well, what about this and this? Man, I, well, just because you don't understand doesn't mean that you should lose your faith. It just it means that you should stand more in awe of who God is and the understanding that His thoughts are way bigger than your thoughts. Even in your smartest days, you're still, an ignorant, you're still ignorant compared to God. Realize that. So I don't know who the smarty pants just feels like they're in, in the room, right? But you got to get past that pride and that self, you know, that arrogance that we have sometimes and just know, man, God knows everything. I don't have to figure him out, but I pray that I get to know him as much as I can in this lifetime. I know one thing I don't want to do is get to heaven and be completely confused and be like, whoa, that's who God was? But that we see him in this lifetime for who he really is. But we're only going to find that as we read his word. So he separates, okay? John 15, 7 in the New Living Translation, it says, But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. So when we remain in Christ, that work gets completed. When we see fruit in our life, God loves that. He loves seeing us become more Christ-like. It brings honor to the Father. So how much change do you think Jesus is concerned about producing in our life in our lifetime? As much as He can, right? He's not going to withhold anything, okay? So He's going to continually separate us under that place of righteousness. All right, so this is the last one. So also, you know, what, why study the Word of God? Why is it powerful? Because it builds faith. Okay, Romans 10, 14 through 7 in the NIV. Verse 14, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone who is preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And, and then it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Verse 16, it says, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. You know, so when we look at that passage, the only way people come to a level of faith or a, a, a birthing of faith is through hearing the Word of God. That's the only way. How can you hear the Word of God? Somebody has to open their mouth. Be it a preacher, be it a church member, be it a friend, be it, you know, you know something on YouTube, something, you know, somebody preaching the true Word of God is what will cause faith to arise in your life. Somebody has to speak. And I'm hoping it's just not the pastor. Okay, so faith is the absolute confidence that God will do what he says he will do. I don't know if I stole that from somebody, if that's really what it is, but that's what came out of my spirit as I was thinking about what is true faith. It's being absolutely true. So if I copyright, I stole somebody's Facebook live, whatever, I'm sorry. That's just what I what when I began to type, that's what came out. Absolute confidence in God would do what he said he would do. Well, he says, yeah, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's really true. If he said it, he can do it. You know, and I think God tests us. He says, man, test me at my word. See if I'll come through. I triple dog dare you. See what I'll do when faith is applied. So faith in God's word, it will produce God results. Did you hear that? Faith in God's word will produce God results, not just good results. God results. Okay? So the more we hear the Word, the more our faith grows. If anyone is lacking faith, spend time in the Word, specifically Scriptures that speak to a specific situation. We're going to look at that a little bit more next week. But like, I mean, if you're dealing with a specific thing, oh man, we can give you all kinds of Scriptures depending on what you're going through. This, this, this book is, is the answers to life. It will speak to any issue you're going through. Well, what about this? If you're thinking it right now, the Bible has the answer. I promise. It may not say that exact word, but I guarantee you there is a word that covers that, whatever it may be. You know, this week during our pastor's meeting, we were discussing why people don't come to the knowledge of Christ even though they have heard the gospel. You know, but what does that scripture say? It says, you know, but all the Israelites, you know, they did not accept the good message of the Lord. And I guarantee you those guys that were preaching then, they preached it well. They didn't water it down. They didn't miss the mark. They, they hit God's standard. But there were just still some that did not accept. They did not receive the word of God. 
So even, even in this passage in Hebrews 5.11, you know, you go through to where, you know, what Paul was doing, he was trying to explain that Jesus was the high priest. He was talking about all these brainy, complicated things. And then he pauses. And in Hebrews 5.11, he says, well, I have much to say about this. So, you know, it would be like me right now just stopping and saying, man, I know this is a lot of stuff. And this is his response to the people. He says, you know what? You know, but it's hard to make this clear to you because you no longer try to understand. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. I'll come back when you guys are ready to listen. Now, that's a hard, that's kind of a hard reprimand kind of word. But, you know, in, a, in, another, in another translation, it says you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. How many of your parents have a kid when they say they're listening, but they're not looking at you? The arms are crossed. They're just like this. And what do you say? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Well, Yeah. Well, they look like it. I mean, you know, like, think about it. You know, it's just like, man, they don't, no care in the world, man. You know, like, you know, I think that's, that's how Paul responded here. Some of us are dull of hearing, but the, the word of God is powerful and it gets through the hardest heart if it's applied enough. Because there's moments you preach, you preach, you cry out to people, you share the gospel. It doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. And all of a sudden, it penetrates the heart of men. Causes us into a place of conviction and, and really realizing who Jesus is. And then the eyes that were blind are now opened. Same exact thing. And I, I think people who go back and talk to those say, I told you the same thing five times. How come you didn't listen? Selective hearing disorder or whatever it is. I know our, us kids are the worst to our parents. <laughs> as soon as somebody else gives them the same information. Mom, guess what I just found? Kid, I've been telling you that your whole life. Right? We're hard of hearing, but that word of God, it produces faith. And when the word of God is spoken and spoken and spoken, it causes faith to arise. It causes us to believe in something that maybe we didn't believe in. So the word of God is powerful. It gets through the hardest heart and it accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. So if you're needing faith in your life today to increase, try listening to the Word of God. Now, I know you guys are here this morning, but throughout the week, you know, find a YouTube, find there's apps where you can listen to the Word. I'm not talking, you know, or listen to a preacher that is preaching the Word of God, not just life help stuff, guys. Now, is that stuff interwoven in through everything? Absolutely. But somebody that is encouraging you through the Word of God, the meat of His Word, okay? You know, as faith grows... You know, I believe that there is a hunger and appetite that also grows for the things of God in His Word, and you start seeing it as valuable. Um, I'm going to close with this, with this story, you know, talking about building faith. Remember in youth group, you know, we were talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole other conversation, right? But me and a buddy were talking about it, and I was talking to him about when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in tongues. Like, so I believe in that. I mean, I don't know if you're like, hey, we never hear, but there's a proper order to that. Let me just cover that. I'm not going to sit up here and speak in tongues the whole service and say, amen, let's go home, because that doesn't edify anybody. It's actually probably unscriptural, too, if we really look at it. But, you know, we were talking about that prayer language and praying, and, you know, um, I had received it, and I was encouraging him because he was stuck. That's what we called it, right? He was like, man, I've asked for it, but I haven't received it. I believe that it's there. You know, like he was saying it with his words, but I believe that that little measure of faith had not yet been sparked. So I got in my Bible. I found every scripture I could find that talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit, asking, and as you ask, you receive, and it's a free gift of God, and like all of these things. And he started meditating on it, reading it, reading it every day. It took him two weeks. He called me, said, Noe, guess what? And I was like, Man, I, this dude, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. You got you to let me know what you're talking about. He goes, I got it. 
What do you mean you got it? Woke up in the middle of the night and I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and I received my personal prayer language. He believed it, but whatever that little component, that little spark of faith that was needed, the Word of God produced that. Now, some of you just need to saturate yourself with the Word of God so that that faith would arise, that that faith would be uh, uh, growed up in you so that you would receive all that God has called you to. So in closing, I want you to know that God's Word is powerful. You know, it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If the Lord is speaking that things need to change or He's showing you certain circumstances in your life that He wants to bring alignment to, know that if God is speaking it, God wants to accomplish it in your life. So why study the Bible? Because the Bible is powerful to create. He can make something out of nothing. He can heal any infirmity and sickness according to His will, but He can do it. But I'd rather ask and accidentally receive something they never ask. It's like my kids, you know, every time we go by the gumball machines, probably heard me say this before. If they never ask, they'll never get anything. But if they ask every time, at some point, I'll be like, all right, you know, give them a quarter or whatever. But by their persistence, right? He'll also separate us unto Himself. He'll clean us. He'll purge us. He'll, you know, that word will cause us to be more Christ-like. And then he'll build our faith. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.